0: Live from Sydney, this is General Ike, Building Jerusalem. Our guest today is Dr. Jamie Q. Roberts. Dr. Roberts is a lecturer at the U- University of New South Wales, a musician, and a novelist. Uh, Dr. Roberts... May I call you Jamie? Ah, you may. What should I call you? (laughs) Please, call me Ike. Ike. Yes, Jamie's fine. Jamie, you've got a lot of views on a lot of things, and in advance of this interview I asked you to um, collate a few quotes from uh, world literature that summarise some of your uh, life philosophy and perspectives. Yes. I'm hoping we can use those quotes as a kind of structure to talk about uh, other and specific things. By all means. Uh, The first quote you had was one from Rousseau, which I think you have here.
1: Yes. Would you like to read that one out? I shall. Uh, Rousseau says, uh, it's from um, On the Origin of Inequality, Uh, he says, Individuals only allow themselves to be oppressed so far as they are hurried on by blind ambition and, looking rather below than above them, Come to love authority more than independence, and submit to slavery that they may in turn enslave others. It is no easy matter to reduce to obedience a man who has no ambition to command.
0: Why is this the first quote for
1: you? I keep thinking about what... um. I mean, look, you can't, I can't really sum up my whole sort of philosophical system, uh, if indeed it is a system, you know, in... Yeah, in, in just a, a few words, but this is generally my go-to quote because I suppose what I'm, uh, I guess what I'm most concerned about is, um, you know, the tribal nature of humanity. Um, and frankly, the tribal nature of humanity is what makes so much, makes humans who they are. I mean, that's what we are. We're creatures who, you know, belong to things and that's how we get things done. Um, but then at the same time, it's also where so many of the problems of the world come from, Um power and all its abuses and then all the dogmas that come along with belonging to various things so uh, belonging useful type of thing but then um it's also yeah just sort of enables all the, yeah all the corruptions of power and maybe also prevents us from uh, apprehending the truth if i uh can use the t word which is um unpopular these days so i guess i could say and, uh I, I'm, I'm distrusting of, of belonging to institutions or groups. Um, so often I see people in them, they, they seem to be in them for the wrong reasons, um, namely power. That was kind of long-winded, but there you go.
0: So when you talk, uh, when, when Rousseau is talking about, like, the, the uh, man who has no ambition to command, is that, like, the way you see that, is that uh, an ideal that's that's... Present everywhere uh can you say a bit more what do you mean the uh w- what ideal exactly like if you're th- this idea that that it's no easy matter to reduce to obedience a man who has no ambition to command implies that the way out of the way out of um oppression is to uh renounce the desire for power yeah
1: um I think I think that's true to a large extent, but then that's when we start getting into the, you know, the beautiful nuances of it. Um, I don't think it means avoid ambition entirely. I don't think it means you know, don't try to produce great art, don't try to do interesting things. I don't think it even means don't try to be a leader, but I think um, just far more concerning is the kind of fake power that comes when you belong to an institution and you, know, you hang around long enough. You climb the ranks, and people do what you say. So it's sort of like, yeah. I, I feel like the the heart of it is the, sort of the fake power or the fake desire to command, which comes from yeah when you when you belong to some sort of institution, and it's not it's not um it's not founded on genuine substance or genuine ability. It's it's kind of a faux thing that humans have set up. So, I mean, I can't say I can't say for sure that's exactly what Rousseau had in mind, but it's. It feels like that nuance is is important. I mean, it's like the point's not to, you know be a loser; it's to you know not just fall into an institution because if you hang around long enough, it will give you um, status, power, etc. I feel like that's the point.
0: Great. the The second quote that you prepared was uh, Melville. You know, I'm not. I'm. I, you know, like
1: I, I threw these together relatively quickly, and I didn't necessarily put this sort of great structuring logic behind it all. Um, but, you know, let's, let's, let's reach our hand into the barrel and see what, see what we pull out, huh? So, yeah, Melville, yeah.
0: Sure. This one is, for all, doubts, for all have doubts, many deny, but doubts or denials, few along with them have intuitions. Doubts of all things earthly and intuitions of some things heavenly. This combination makes neither believer nor infidel, but makes a man who regards them both with equal eye.
1: Yeah, it's a good one, actually. It follows very nicely from Rousseau now that I think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, the things. of all things. What are, they, what are, these, what are these doubts and denials for you? What are these intuitions? Mm. I, I, th- I honestly think it
1: can be tr- tied back into this tribal thing to a large extent. Um, you know, it's so, I mean, let's put it in the parlance of our times, you know, being a hater. Mm. You know, it, it's so easy to just, and this is what Melville's getting at, because obviously there were haters before the internet you know it it's so easy to just bitch about stuff and um and that's how you make yourself feel good. you complain you know and look i I do not deny the 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 immense power and value of critique, and neither does uh, Melville uh, in Moby Dick. The point is is that you 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 provide criticism where it's due, but then you also must um sort of apprehend what's true and what's good. you also must be a creator all those sorts of things so he's saying. Um, Few have intuitions, so the intuition of yeah, the good thing, the righteous path, you know that sense of it's yeah, it's not enough just to complain. You actually also still need to do something with yourself and recognise the good things that other people do. And so when you can balance um, you know the doubts with the intuitions of the good things, I mean he says heavenly, um, sa- same sort of thing. Then it means you're stepping back from the sort of tribalism. And reaching a, a more enlightened point of view, it's relatively straightforward because he says it makes neither a, a believer nor an infidel. And that's unquestionably talking about a sort of tribal nature. It's like you're either in the group or you're the baddie outside the group. And so the trick is to step back and, and view both the in-group and the out-group with the same sort of skeptical eye and recognize that there's a, a greater value, a greater truth, a greater beauty, whatever, beyond that sort of more narrow way of just us versus them I mean it's a basic lesson in self and other um, yeah it's an important lesson but it's um, I mean, it's a straightforward lesson but it's an important lesson do you remember
0: where you came across this quote
1: first? yeah it's in Moby Dick I just uh, forgot to write that <clears throat> so you know the good old Moby Dick um, yeah like, uh, 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 it's a nice long book Morty. It's, it's very long a lot of stuff about whales
0: when did you, how old were you when you read it
1: uh, I actually I read most of the good stuff in my twenties because then when I hit my thirties um, I had to work to earn money to purchase my freedom. Um, so I took uh, I took um, expansive advantage of doing a PhD to um, squeeze into my brain as much wisdom from those who have gone before me as I possibly could. So I um, ploughed through a lot of novels and read a lot of philosophers. Uh, yeah, so. Um, were, yeah, maybe Dick would have been. I think it was twenty five. I don't know, twenty
0: six, something like that. Do you Do you have a, a recommendation for people who are uh, put off by the by the big novels? Um. <laughs> you mean like don't
1: read them because they're long? That sort of recommendation.
0: Well, or, or recommendation is for shorter I'm
1: ones. Shorter wisdom.
0: <laughs> like, basically, could you just like summarize Moby Dick without so much whales talk? Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, I gotta tell you, my, my,
1: my recollection of it isn't as vivid as it is of other things that I've actually written about. You know, like if, if I, you know, my recollection of Joseph Conrad's much stronger than my recollection of, uh, of you know, Melville's Moby Dick. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I frankly think there's a lot of value in um, sticking these books next to your bed and uh, reading about 20 minutes or half an hour at night with a pencil in your hand and when you come across good bits you um, underline them and put a little star next to them and then periodically you flick back through and you uh, you know recall the good bits uh, and, and you know they're in yeah that's how you find the wisdom and you flip through it from time to time and you're like my god that was good and then maybe find opportunities to you know work it into your life write about it in other contexts and then you you know you think about it deeply and Wisdom becomes a part of you. I mean, um, yeah, it's, I mean, all, so a lot of the good stuff, the good novels, the good philosophers, yeah, it's hard work, it takes time. But then I should say, at the same time, um, I, I really, really, really believe that the vast majority of all the important, like, life philosophy type stuff, you know, the question of how, how I should live, how, you know, how people should live, like, it's not that deep. I mean, I think like, yeah, seriously, it's not that deep. I I can say that I've done, you know, done the PhD, I've read the stuff. Before I did it, you think, oh, wow, there must be just so much depth out there. And it's like, it's not that deep. Like we're all, you know, any person who's a a, a, sort of a bit of a thinking person who has some critical abilities, they will have thought of these ideas already. So the issue is more just like, you know, can you live by these values, these things that you think are important? I mean, can you put them into your life?
0: Yes, yeah, so I think it's it's
1: the execution that's tricky, not really acquiring the wisdom. So,
0: all right. Yeah, uh, let's 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 try this Nietzsche quote you have here. I'm really I really like this one.
1: Which one? I got, I don't have three Nietzsche quotes. Uh, this one here. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I really like that. That's like my that's like my second go-to quote. Just about, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Nietzsche. Um, from beyond uh, good and evil, evil. Uh, Something might be true while being harmful and dangerous in the highest degree. Indeed, it might be a basic characteristic of existence that those who would know it completely would perish. In which case, the strength of a spirit should be measured according to how much of the truth one could still barely endure. Or to put it more clearly... To what degree one would require it to be thinned down shrouded sweetened blunted falsified so powerful it's beautiful isn't it see the the thing about this one is like you'd come along to a sort of a normal academic these days and people would read that and just go pish posh what do you mean like you know the truth and then you die it's ridiculous it's like a stupid science fiction movie Right, but you know, therein lies the the beauty of it. I mean, there is there is a deep truth in this discussion of truth, which sort of uh, would, which far exceeds the sort of pedantic kind of um, intellectual world you end up in today. And it really, it really is that sense. And I think it ties in very nicely with the other stuff I've already been talking about. Um, Maybe to really grasp certain truths about life and existence you have to step out from your comfort zone, step out from the group. Um, and then in doing that, uh, you risk a certain ostracism, which is a pretty painful kind of thing for humans. And so Nietzsche's always going on about this, about how you know it's our love of the herd and our desire to belong in the herd, which prevents us from really seeing things. Um, and it's it's just i mean it's an intuitive point it's an obvious point we all talk about it at different times but when I keep coming back down to it I think uh, if we're going to try to grasp these more challenging metaphysical truths of the universe um, and I, I you know I'm not talking about like truths in chemistry and all that because you can you can determine them through experiment through studies and through mm-hmm. replication but if we're going to try to grasp deeper truths about you know human nature and that sort of thing uh, you've got to just try to break free from the dogma of the herd. And Nietzsche totally gets that. So he's like, it's, it's, it's hard. There's some pretty bleak truths out there. And when you, the more you look at them, the more you go crazy. And I can tell you firsthand, I looked into the truths and I went crazy. I'm, 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 I'm more uh, soft now than I was when I was 21. It's important to sort of realize that. That um, I took some big chances then and really stepped out. And it was, yeah, it was... Some pretty dark times. I, f- I feel like I have a real first-hand account of what it means to push yourself towards insanity in order to, you know, try to get to these, you know, foundational truths. So, yeah, it's, <clears throat> again, as I say, it's kind of point that um, I, I don't think any, very few sort of intellectuals or whatever these days would probably even go near because it just seems so fanciful. But uh, sort of at an existential level, um, it's there. I mean, we see it in Rick, don't we?
0: from Rick and Morty from Rick
1: and Morty of course I mean you know the great philosopher of our age um, uh, he he sees the truths Mm -hmm. of human existence we hear him saying them again and again you know he rips apart religion he rips apart love education He, he destroys so many things and uh uh, what is it that wubble bubble dub dub truly
0: means? Um, in my language, it means <laughs> help me. I am in great pain. You see,
1: so uh, Rick, being the smartest guy in the universe, pushes towards the point of truth, and it causes him deep, deep, deep existential uh, uh, angst. So, I mean, this is this is beautiful, isn't it? You know, we see the lineage through people like Plato, through Nietzsche, through to Rick. Good morning, which is which is great, isn't it? Because it shows that the distinctions between pop culture and high philosophy—I mean, they're, they're they're all rubbish. I mean, you could find great wisdom anywhere, and it's not necessarily that deep, right? It, but again, it's it's it, it, you can see it's the it's the execution, it's the living of it where the pain comes, and that's what Nietzsche is getting at here. He says, you know, if you really want to push yourself towards these
0: truths, like you're, um, it's tough. You're going to suffer. It's interesting you um, you talk about how it's uh, it's so what would you say unpopular to. To to see things this way from like a, from a conventional yes. academic perspective, let's say it, it's the first thing that struck me from uh, when I read this, especially the bit where it says um, it might be a basic characteristic of existence that those who would know it completely would perish. <laughs> was um, this little this little section in the Bible where Moses says to God, like, let me see your face? I think it's in the Bible, maybe in the commentary. Yeah, I, I, God wouldn't dig that, would he? Well, he, he, the, the, the answer is, um, none may see my face and live. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, you
1: see all these... I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I, I'm not a religious person, but, you know, you, <clears throat> you you dig into various religions, and you do, you see some of these glorious ideas. And so the sort of whole idea of truth, of course, there it does overlap closely with certain conceptions of God. Of course
0: yeah. it does. Um, yeah. I remember hearing from... Um, Peterson, I think that Dostoevsky used to have uh, epileptic seizures. And in, in the sort of lead up to the seizures, he found that uh, the world's profundity made itself clearer and clearer to him. And he felt he was going, wow. heading right towards grasping the essence of things. Did he like
1: write it down? Because it could just be like, you know, when people get stoned, and, and then you write it down and you look at it the next day and you're like, oh, that, no, wait, I, it was, that was just the, the Mara talking. Right. So, I mean, Dostoevsky could have been. Oh man, that was just like the epilepsy talking.
0: Well, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I I I assume he, he put some of it in his books. Good, good. But he, his subjective experience was that when you when he got like just to the very edge of grasping it, that's when the seizure hit. Yeah. So we see this idea coming up, and look, it's it's
1: so poetic. It's so poetic in the sense of you know this neat reversal, and yes, the intellectual these days would say, oh, nothing's that neat. That's ridiculous. You know. Uh, But, yeah, we we come across it again and again. I guess one thing I wanted to say as well is this whole idea of the pain of the truth. um, That also does sound like loser talk as well. Um, And I think Nietzsche in uh, the genealogy of morality, um, in one of, maybe the third essay or something, he's complaining about the the ascetic philosopher and the whole idea to be a proper sort of ascetic philosopher you know the whole idea is you sort of you need to suffer you need to be removed you need to be miserable and only then in the cave at your utter loneliness can you can you truly be it he sort of has this hope and this is the sort of the ubermensch idea he sort of has this hope that um, the you know when the philosopher really starts nailing it they're like romping through the world you know yelling out full of happiness and joy so it's it's kind of like you know these these are tensions in all of these ideas it's it's like OK, maybe when you remove yourself so far from society to try to perceive the truth, there's sort of an immense pain in that. But maybe, just maybe, there's a, there's a sort of a barrier and then you smash through it and you can still be amongst people and in the world, but in a way that you're not beholden to them and that you can still see things as they are. And, you know, I, I, honestly, I feel, I feel like that's the goal. Right. You know, yeah, that's having your cake and eating it too. Um, I feel like that's the position to try to move towards. Um, how do you get that? I, I, I guess I don't want to be too um, romantic here. Maybe you need a bunch of money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe maybe you need some money, um, paying you know uh, you know eight percent on a few million or something, so that uh, right. you, so that you don't have to have the job where you have to censor yourself. Uh, or that, that kind of thing. And then, you know, to which someone would rightly say, yeah, but then you're part of the system and you're part of the problem. And I'm like, mm, yeah, you could be right. I don't know. It's This is a tough one. Well,
0: it's, it's, and, you know, it's,
1: it's, it's freedom. It's freedom. Or does freedom only come through poverty? You right. know, And, and that, that's an idea that so many of us carry with us and society carries with us. It's like, well, you want to be truly free? You want to, you know, sort some shit out? Off, off you go into the forest, you know. But, you know, my... Maybe not. Maybe that's too limited. Maybe
0: you. Didn't. When you talk about you talk about coming through this, it reminds me of that 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 sense that uh, well, I mean, you're a runner. You'd know this. The first few kilometers really suck, and then you you pass a barrier, and then it's glorious. It's, yeah,
1: the first few kilometers really suck. You pass the barrier, it's glorious. Then it starts sucking even harder than the first few kilometers and you wish you were back in the first few kilometers. And then you're right at the end and all hope's lost and you're absolutely certain you're not going to make it. And you see that personal best time drifting past you. Then some dude in a yellow t-shirt runs past and it's like, run motherfuckers, it's the last 500 meters, this is it. For God's sake, just fucking run. And you're like, oh my God, guy in the yellow shirt, you're so absolutely right. And then you run for all your worth and it's truly then that you find that absolute point of nirvana. So it's like pain, release, more pain and utter despair, and then true release, but only for a moment.
0: Ah, it's like hypnotic fractionation. Like yeah, you come yeah. out of the trance and you go into it more deeply.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gotta go in and out a few times. You've gotta got despair a couple of times, yeah, before then you truly find that um, glorious, glorious moment. And then, and then it is just head back, chariots of fire, stuff. You know, not for long though. Uh, then you gotta to go to work on Monday. <laughs>
0: But this 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 idea that you could get through mysticism is in a sense in the same way. Like you get these people who go off into the mountains and they come back and, like the Buddha, and he's just like, "It's all chill, guys. It's
1: all chill." Chilling is very important. We haven't really touched on that, but chilling is a big aspect of it.
0: It's a big aspect of
1: what of you know what needs to be achieved, or in the parlance of our times, don't create drama. Create drama avoid drama, so yeah, the Buddha was totally like, you know if drama's at one end of the um spectrum he's he's down the other end the non drama end
0: right well his his whole um his whole quest seems to have have gotten him to this this place where I, I mean you know based off the text that we have where he was just like
1: Wikipedia, you mean
0: yeah well, yeah, yeah, sacred Wikipedia yeah. passed down from generation to generation most
1: most venerable Wikipedia. <laughs> As I call it when I teach, and no one ever laughs at it. I'm like, that was just such a good joke, and no one laughed. Most venerable Wikipedia? Yeah, I say it class after class. Oh, f- I don't, actually. I say it a couple of times a year. Sorry, you keep going. Yeah, what? Like Buddha, a- Buddha did what?
0: Yep. Well, he, he came, it, it seemed to work out for him in some sense. Whereas, like, for Nietzsche, like, he eventually does seem to know too much, right? Oh, uh, look, I mean, some people say it's
1: syphilis, but these days the research seems more to be brain tumor. What for um, Yeah, that's what's finished him off. Um, Did he know too much? Um, You mean because he was like a miserable kind of guy or something?
0: Didn't he kill himself? No,
1: no, 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 no. a certain Yeah, it's false. He reached a certain point where he um, went into like, what would you call it? A torpor? A stupor? Um, You know, everything just froze up. And for the last 10 years of his life, he was just basically, you know, sitting in the chair... Unable to talk, communicate, or whatever, and some people initially thought it was syphilis, and then maybe some people say now it's just like sort of a weird brain tumor, but it certainly it certainly wasn't suicide. It, no. it could
0: it, it wasn't that he just like for a moment made eye contact with Cthulhu. with God. Look, I mean it would be uh, with what? Sorry, I was as like okay. you know, always warning us about staring too long into the abyss and such. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah no he didn't so look, the, the, the thing
1: is that those kinds of statements i mean they are romantic they are poetic they don't they don't really you know necessarily hold true in life but there's there's a yes yeah, so i don't think he did i mean look, it, Nietzsche's an interesting case as well because like i say the whole money thing he fucking nailed it he um genius by you know everyone recognized his genius by the age of 24 and made him the you know the chair of philology or whatever it was um, I don't know why they call it philology. sounds like philosophy to me. But anyway, um, that's, that's, I have to research that further. But yeah, then he started having these problems, physical health problems. And so they said, oh, look, uh, we love your work, Nietzsche. Here's a stipend. Just, just chill out and write some stuff, you know. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I don't know if that particular... Te- I mean, he he wouldn't have been anything without the university stipend, you know? And it's like it's E.M. Like e. Forster, you know, another brilliant writer. I mean, he inherited a bit of money. He's like, okay, great, I can do some writing. Virginia Woolf, you know, uh, you need a room of one's own and, I don't know, 500 bucks a year or whatever she said to... Um, so it would have been pounds, uh, you know, to 500 become... 500
0: buck pounds a year. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, to be a writer. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, money purchases intellectual freedom. Fair. Um, I don't don't know if I answered your question and I just said a bunch of other stuff.
0: Yeah, but, you know, I I think we're by by degrees coming to the point. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Do you want to read out the the thus big Tharathur's just quote for us?
1: Oh, yeah, this one's great. This one's great. This one's far more stirring than the your life's going to suck if you perceive the truth type thing. No, wait, no, wait. Hang on, no, wait. This is depressing too. He says, um, you know, that you have despaired Actually, no, it does suck. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's that, Nietzsche. Are you surprised? It's, it, the other Nietzsche one's good. I don't know. Did you print out the, th- th- the third one Where about the, the specific gravity? I don't know if that one got printed out. Yeah, Oh, I no, did. it's the um, one above. Yeah, anyway, okay, I let's do, let's do the depressing one, though. Yeah, sure. The, the specific gravity one's far better. Um, I mean, it's far more fun because I don't want to sound like a downer. Um, that you have despaired, says Nietzsche. Uh, there is much to honor in that. You have not learned how to submit. You have not learned petty prudence. Hmm. For today, the petty people have become lord and master. They all preach submission and acquiescence and prudence and diligence and consideration and the long, etc. of petty virtues.
0: Okay, so what's this nice. a- yeah, well, what's what's this all about?
1: What is all this all, about? What is it all I, about? I'm glad you asked. Look, I a <laughs> couple of things. So yeah, you know, to, to 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 fit in and to have your day job and to be a good citizen and you know get all the glorious spoils that come to live off the fat of the land requires a degree of submission, of um, you know, behaving yourself, bowing down to the people with more power, doing your job, not making a fuss, all those sorts of things. And I guess it's it's this whole whole point of stepping out again. It's like well. You could submit and live like the good square life Hmm. in square world, or you could step out and often stepping out because humans are fundamentally pack animals. So removing yourself from the pack is it does sort of hit you on a kind of evolutionary uh, on an evolutionary level. So you kind of despair a bit, which is, by the way, which is why conservative people always say, oh, listen, son, you just got to get a job that'll sort you out. And they're kind of right in a sense. Mm. But then what they're doing is preaching submission, whereas the angsty young person who doesn't want to get a job is like, God damn it, I'm not going to submit. So they're depressed. But Nietzsche's saying, look, you know what? Depression's like as, as horrible as it is, there's a certain glory in it because you haven't submitted. You haven't, you haven't given yourself over to square world. You're, you're maintaining a certain critical independence. And, and this, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something interesting. Um, so as I say, you know, I, I firmly believe humans are kind of, you know, pack animals. That's what we do. Uh, we belong. But then there's this funny, like, but then we've created this whole other thing, which maybe you want to call it the enlightenment, but it's been kicking around for, you know, for centuries, for millennia. You know, this whole thing that we can apprehend the universe using our senses and using reasoning and evidence. And the more you go down that pathway... Like it does, like it, it, it's an unnatural thing because in the end you do, it does force you to challenge your animal self, your evolved self. And so you have this glorious sort of conflict between this strange, weird enlightenment thing um, and, you know, our animal selves. And so it's quite, it's quite the game, really. It's like, I want to, what I want to bet my money on, Enlightenment and truth and art and all those sorts of things, and uh, you know, step out. And so it's 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 almost like to be truly human, you have to turn your back on a certain part of your humanity. It's kind of fun, yeah. It's kind of an adventure, and that's I think that's what Nietzsche's getting at a little bit at least. I think he's saying you know you haven't submitted to square world and all this kind of boring. Um, sort of nice stuff oh how how are you oh you've been sick oh that's terrible I'm so sorry that you are sick and the point is no one's really sorry they're just saying it to be nice what does Rick say yeah, I'm, the, I'm the smartest man in the world I, I don't need to be nice niceness is just what stupid people do to hedge their bets <laughs> so this is the thing Yeah, Nietzsche yeah. would probably even say that it's like all this morality because he, he goes on and on about it. it's not it's not real goodness it's just people you know fitting in and taking the easy path you know so he says if you despair, you know, you you challenge challenge some of this stuff. You're becoming all the more gloriously human by turning your back on an aspect of humanity. Something like that.
0: Fair. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you see it as <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see it as a do you see it as a as a um as a sort of uh as an intermediary step or as, a, as an end? Which one's despairing? Oh, um, turning, your, turning your back on, on that, which is... Because like in a lot of the hero mythology, right, yeah. it's that you, you sort of leave and go do your thing. And, and then, then you, you come
1: back triumphant and you really get to be the king in the end.
0: Well, right. <laughs> in the really
1: good way. And then everyone bows down before you. Uh, and then you bow down before the hobbits. Well, I, no spoilers, man. No spoilers. It's been 10 years, whatever, 15 years. If you haven't seen it by now.
0: Yeah. Well, no, uh, but I mean, yeah, sorry. the king always has a convenient princess for you to marry at the end. Yeah, there's right. all that jazz. So is that is that does that resonate with you, or you? Is the there...
1: triumphant return. Look, I, I can't ever quite work out whether the triumphant return is just this sort of placatory thing that the despairing person is like, yeah, but I'll be back one day, and then I'll be the king, and they'll all be really sorry. You know, I feel like it's probably that, but I still think that even despite that, I mean, I don't know, like. As I sort of said, I feel like there is, you know, the hope is that there is a path where, you are you're not, you know, you're not just in the bush alone, but you are amongst people, but you're not subject to the bullshit of Square World. And I, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is where, you know, the the great fogs of philosophy arise and it's hard to get much further. But I mean, that's got to be the hope that you push towards. So, yeah, maybe, you know, the triumphant return in the hero mythology, maybe, maybe that's, that's it. You go, you go away because everything's corrupt. You, you learn a certain kind of wisdom and strength on your own and then uh, come back and kick some fucking ass or something. I mean, maybe. It'd be fun if that was the way it was. Yeah. It's a- but maybe, maybe, the, maybe, I don't know, maybe there is only the, the despair and that when you do come back and kick ass, it's actually because you're totally part of the system now and you've secretly been learning the ways of the system so that you can be the dickhead at the top that you complained about when you were younger. So maybe this whole thing is just this subtle, weird, twisted way of ultimately um, just becoming the boss and the very thing that you didn't like, which is why, like some guy said, don't trust anyone over 30. It's hard to know. It's hard to know if all this philosophy is really a path towards enlightenment or a great self-deception, um, which is really just a pathway to um, power. And because so many of the, the, the truly gloriously powerful people... Um, you know, they are mavericks. They are, they are thinking outside the box because they're, they're taking a lot of risks and they're doing audacious things and that's then what gathers the people around them. So maybe this is also just the sort of the whole crazy system perpetuating itself with these great movements forward of creation and innovation and then that sort of stultifies and becomes part of the problem and then it must erupt again, which is why Nietzsche also says he's got this, uh, you know, Dionysian and Apollonian kind of opposition. We must be creators and destroyers. You know, you create something, but then in time that becomes conservative and you must smash it and create anew. So on the one hand, you've kind of got this remove yourself from society to apprehend truth. But then on the other hand, maybe it's just all a giant power pursuing subterfuge. Something like that. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. It's tricky,
0: huh? It's tricky. <laughs> Let's um, talk practicals in a sense for, for a bit. This is, um, this is practicals. But yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, true. I suppose it was all practicals. Um, but, it, like, the, the uh, you have a quote here from Tolstoy Resurrection.
1: Oh, yeah. Tolstoy Resurrection is a fascinating book. In, in it, you really, you know, Tolstoy is really trying to deal with this shit. He's really trying to deal with what it means to be a good person. And you can see his own desperate struggle as an old man to try to resurrect himself in the face of you know, whatever dodgy-ass things he's done to his wife over the years, <sighs> or, you know. It's, it's, it's a very visceral sort of book you can feel the struggle of the author the beauty of that by the way that's Nietzsche too when you read Nietzsche you don't just read it to find the truths of Nietzsche you read it to feel the struggle of Nietzsche himself anyway that's another point yeah what about resurrection?
0: <laughs> I, I, the, the, this, this bit over here this, um, and he had ceased oh
1: yeah 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 that's a good one
0: uh, would you Sh- read that one for me? I shall
1: so uh, this is talking about um, Nekliudov. Think his name is it's been a couple of years since i read it um but yeah he's talking about this he's he's sort of main character and how he went from being a quite sort of decent idealistic young man to um you know just becoming you know like a dickhead part of the problem and uh, you know the books about you know his resurrection and other people's resurrection too anyway talking about his decline from like a, a position of sort of goodness i guess this is what tolstoy says he says um and he had ceased to trust himself And had begun to believe in others because life was too difficult if one believed one's own conscience. Believing in oneself, every question had to be decided, never to the advantage of one's animal self, which seeks easy gratifications, but in almost every case against it. But to believe in others meant that there was nothing to decide. Everything had been decided already and always in favor of the animal I and against the spiritual. It's exactly the same thing that I've been talking about in yet another form, just repackaged yet again. And I like it though because it's this sense of believing in yourself, trusting in yourself, which so often is set up, even in the intellectual world, as selfish. Mm. You know, but this is the thing. Um, when you when you just throw in your lot with whatever dogmas everyone else is trumpeting, I mean, that funnily enough is truly selfish. So to be truly selfless you actually have to um become a critical being challenging basing things on principles so yeah selfish to be selfless it's interesting how these things reverse quite quickly and it's it's i hadn't i've forgotten about this he actually used the same sort of language didn't he never to the advantage of one's animal self i mean i'm not so hard on our animal selves as well like this is part of the buddha in me i'm like yeah humans are humans i mean you know we want to copulate and we like power and, um, you know, we like safety and security and and, and skiing. You know, things where you can go really fast and the wind's in your hair, (laughs) you know. Safety,
0: security and skiing.
1: (laughs) That's why dogs stick their heads out the window, by the way. And this is why humans are such good friends with dogs. You know, there's a great affinity there. Pack animals who uh, like going fast with the wind in their hair. Which is, by the way, why um, riding a bike is extremely important. Ah. Like, forget Tolstoy. It's very important to ride a pushbike. There's there's immense freedom in that. And freedom in, you know, this is why I'm saying, I don't want to totally diss the animal part of humanity. Um, It's it's complex. I can't get to the depths of it all. But um, there's a certain glorious desire for freedom that humans have. And it gets twisted and co-opted in all sorts of ways. But when you're on a pushbike and you're really, you know, flowing down a hill and the wind's in your hair, I mean, uh, that's pretty good. As I say, that's the same pleasure as the dog, with their head out the window and their tongue hanging out. There's um something in that. I don't know, that's important stuff.
0: Hey, well, that's very important stuff. But so so
1: this this thing of like We're so conflicted. Humans are conflicted. There's no easy way out of this conflict.
0: Yeah I guess not Fair enough. I, I'm 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 interested in this like this thing where it says every question has to be decided never to the advantage of one's animal self. Right? It implies you always uh, if you if you have a sense, if you have somewhere you're going, like, that's where I'm going, uh, it, in some sense, your body's going to be grumbling about it every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the, whole, the, philosophy,
0: the Tolstoy thing here is a bit,
1: I mean, it's a bit too sort of Puritan religious, quite for my liking. I mean, will your body always be grumbling? I mean, it doesn't make sense either to totally turn your back on your natural self. It's like, Look, I think it's at this point that where we need to introduce the concept of the sacrifice, which I'm not sure I entirely. Actually, you know what's very important, and I, I don't think I put a quote a quote in it. I feel like there's sort of different ways of belonging, and there's there's a sort of a more pure way which doesn't require you to sacrifice yourself and others, and then there's the tainted way which requires a degree of um, of sacrifice. And when you have even people like you know the Marxists or the communists, they want to bring about a world. Which is sort of free of the sacrifice, where you don't have the owner of capital, you know, crushing the worker and not just taking their money, but also drawing a a degree of pleasure in the power that they have over them. Mm -hmm. Because there are two components to that. So they want to, you know, remove the sacrifice. And arguably, even in sort of the whole male-female relationship, there's a certain, you know, sacrifice thing going on that no one wants to talk about because it's way too fucked up if you think about it, which is, of course, why... Uh, Again, you push too close towards the truth and you go a little bit nuts. Um, But yeah, so it's like, I think there are certain ways that perhaps we can belong to the world without going down this horrific sacrifice path, which is why I kind of throw my lot behind, you know, producing good art, you know, because it's like, OK, so I want to be glorious and everyone to go, oh, you're so glorious. And it's like, yeah, but I'm going to have to earn it. And I'm going to have to earn it by producing really, really, really good art, which is both beautiful and captures a certain ineffable truth. You know, like these people um, I admire. And so that's all kind of consistent where it's, it's sort of merit based as opposed to you know, I I want people to like me and so how how do I do that? Oh, we all just get drunk together and go hang out with some hookers or something. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of sacrifice of the self and sacrifice of others tied up in that. So I feel like, you know, a lot of different groups you can see are sort of trying to push towards a better way of belonging. So I think, you know, the the, the aim is not to sort of throw out the animal self entirely because I don't think we can. I, I don't think we can disown our humanity in all those respects, but to try to find a better way to sort of live with that humanity, to make peace with it. Yeah, I think that's probably reasonably clearly stated. Anyway, yeah. Uh,
0: this, this quote uh, you have over here <laughs> is particularly relevant Rick. to you as, a, as an educator. This Rick. is Rick from Rick and Morty.
1: I have my Pick a Rick t-shirt on today, by the way, listener. <laughs>
0: you do? Do you have more than one listener? Um, I, uh, Listeners? <laughs> you know, you it might, you might not be anyone. We might just be like speaking into the abyss right now. Which
1: is beautiful. Anyway. But you know, I mean, it's kind of like prayer, isn't it, in a sense? Oh, that was bad. <laughs> but, but that's what Rick could say. Wanna give us this quote Rick? from Rick and Muddy? I'll tell you how I feel about school, Jerry. It, it, it's a waste of time. Bunch of people running around, bumping into each other, got a guy up the front says two plus two and all the people in the back say four uh, then the bell rings and they give you a carton and a milk and a and a piece of paper that says you can go take a dump or something i mean uh, it's not a place for smart people jerry i know that's not a popular opinion uh, but that's my two cents on the issue <laughs> uh, it's pretty simple it's the same stuff yet again i mean it's like for god's sake um y- y- you need to be like what you need to be part of some kind of stupid system to feel good about yourself. I mean, that's the message of Rick and Nietzsche and so many of these people. It's like, really? Like, this is what you need? You need to, like, put up with all this lack of freedom? Like, really, for your for your sense of self, you, you have to belong to something ridiculous like this and then um, you're giving up all your critical faculties. You're believing all this bullshit. Um, yeah. It's not a place for smart people because, yeah, smart people make their own destinies they weigh up things for themselves if things look like bullshit they call it bullshit it's not deep simple well you you it's just hard to do though isn't it it's it's hard to you know it's hard to do right it's hard to step out it brings us back to the original point yeah
0: do you think that the critique of school here is i mean it's has it has an element of the tribalism critique Mm. that you were talking about. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. But is there something else about, like, the nature of education itself? Of course, yeah,
1: there's probably... Forget the deep tribalism stuff. It's just that, yeah, the education system's kind of stupid as well. Yeah, as it is. We could do so much more with it. Um, Yeah, I mean, we could... Students could be so much more into it, and um, it could be so much more about, you know, their thoughts and their analysis. But then at the same time, I don't know, a lot of people don't want to... Spend their whole lives critiquing and arguing about stuff. I mean, they actually don't. They just want a, a, s- a stable job and uh, you know, and a and a house in a vaguely um pleasant suburb and some holidays and you know, and and a bigger TV every year. And uh, It doesn't exactly fill them with happiness, but that that's enough, you know. That'll that that'll do. So um yeah, it's one thing to say the education system could be better, but you know maybe 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 people could be better as well, or maybe they can't be better because there's only. Uh most of humanity is like that. And then there's just a bunch of philosophers who whinge a lot.
0: It's, it, when you say, like, this is uh, it, it's enough for most people... I think I'm becoming far less coherent. I think I had a good patch,
1: and I think I'm um, starting to go in circles and be less precise. I okay. Can, I can feel that in my head. I mean, like, we could know, I feel like all the good stuff's been said about what I could possibly say about my philosophical system. Um, and then there's just some... I'm turning the pages while talking, but what I'm saying is not particularly important.
0: Do you want to just read out this um, Walter Savage Landor quote? See, this is
1: a nice one, isn't it? It is nice. It's a nice short poem as well. And it makes sense, even though it was written long, long ago in merry old England. Walter Savage Landor, the dying speech of an old philosopher. He says this. I strove with none, for none was worth my strife. Nature I loved, and next to nature, art. I warmed both hands before the fire of life. It sinks, and I am ready to depart. It's nice, and because it's like like I care about progressive values I'm sort of mostly partly a lefty, you know um, I, other people's suffering makes me sad, but then at the same time, I just don't want to go to the meeting. I don't want to be on the committee I, I, I don't want to have to like work with all the people to, to 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 make it sort of happen it's just it's just too painful i I sympathize, but I just can't i just can't do it with you it's it's you're all too annoying um but nature <laughs> but nature oh my god dude nature i love especially when i'm on a push bike or jogging it's actually wonderful running through nature but it takes time to get fit so you can actually but it, it's a heightened experience um you know mountain gandalf i want to see mountains you know bilbo he's not a normal hobbit anyway so nature i love the next to nature art so yeah nature is at the heart of it all um but then, yeah, art's yeah, right there behind it, trying to capture not just sort of truth in a boring philosophical sense, but mix it all up with beauty. So there's something when you can really mix truth and beauty together, then you've got something. You know, if you it, when you just put it in philosophical terms, it's kind of, it's just rubbish. People don't like it. They don't want to hear it. But you wrap it up with some interesting characterization and a little twist and, you know. Jon Snow getting killed and coming back to life, or something like that. And Whoa, then, uh,
0: So many spoilers. Uh, they've had
1: so many years to watch it. It's their so own problem. So many spoilers. It's their own problem. You know. So yeah, nature. I love next to nature art. I warm both hands before the fire of life. I gave it. He sang, I gave it a good shot. You know what I mean? I didn't just. I didn't just sit there. Uh, you know, on Instagram. I, I I got in amongst it. You know, I interacted with people. I went on some adventures. Boy, did I go on some adventures! You know, I brought up some kids. Tried to fill them with my wisdom. So I got my own little bit of eternity there because um, they'll then go and pass on the wisdom you know I warm both hands before the fire of life it sinks and I'm ready to depart and he's at peace with death I mean I, I don't know about that I mean fuck dying I mean really but it's kind of nice <laughs> <laughs> it's a good poem it's a good poem it's, you know, it's, it's kind of just being honest it's like yeah I, I know I should help people more but they're annoying sometimes and so nature and art they're good they're good and I had some adventures they were they were good too, Morty. The adventures is is what it was. You know, we had some good adventures, Morty.
0: <laughs> yep, nature and not are good. Um, I think the uh, fire of this interview is now. Um, has we've warmed our hands by that, <laughs> and it sinks, and I am ready to collect my child from school. Doctor Jamie Q Roberts, it's been a pleasure. If uh, people want to get your uh, book, *The Flying Monks*. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, fi- find, find my uh, writings on the internet under Jamie Q Roberts you will find a short story a book about essay writing but there's more kick ass k- shit to follow so like stay tuned it might take me a while but it's there and your band is called oh yeah Stalking Like Candy I'm going to release an album in a few months that's pretty good for someone over 40 you know because everyone loses it when they get oh, I didn't even talk about that I, the whole point is, don't grow old. That's the point. Forget everything else. Don't grow old. You grow old in your mind and partly in your body. Don't grow old. Just, just, um, just, and it's the power thing that makes you grow old because you, you get all set in your ways because you're scared about losing power. So let the power go. Keep swearing. Don't grow old. Rock and roll.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Pleasure as always. Thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike building Jerusalem.